So, King, who did we have um, celebrity-wise on the grid for the sprint on Saturday? Sprint? Well, we had uh, Marcel Lamont Jacobs. Ah, the Olympic 100-meter champion from Italy, just around the corner. Um, yeah. So, so, so King, what, what, why would they break him out for this? Well, I guess because it's a sprint and he's the 100-meter Olympic champion. It's a sprint, get it? It's a sprint. <laughs> oh, welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> See, that that was a bit too on the nose as an analogy, and we had to point it out. <laughs> welcome to episode 322 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and, uh, oh boy. <laughs> We we kind of knew this day would come. Um, never in a million years would we think that after the initial enormous flashpoint we had back at Silverstone, more shock and horror would befall this 2021 Formula One season. And that was McLaren finishing a Grand Prix one and two. Uh, no one could have foreseen this incident happening. Um, and now we've got to sit down for the next hour and talk about it. Yeah. Fellas, I'm I'm not, I'm not sure we can handle this on this entire podcast. What do you reckon? I don't know. Also, throw back to the last time McLaren won a race. Uh, Usain Bolt was on the the race on on Sunday. He didn't show up on Saturday. I, I know. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like we thought. Let's let's upgrade the situation. You know, it's like we had Jacobs for the sprint on the real race. We'll get Usain Bolt here. Everybody knows Usain, right? Um, we, we we love that one. Even though, like, I love that he was in. He was a guest of Aston Martins, and yet he, when interviewed, he was like, "I'm a huge Lewis Hamilton fan," and I'm just like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> Just said Sebastian, just just to warm my warm the cockles of my heart a little bit. No, <laughs> understandable. Who doesn't like Lewis these days? But uh, yeah, we have we, we have our guest with me. Sadly, cameras with us this week. It's a three person booth, so we're all man spreading a little bit on this one to make it work layout wise. Um, enjoy the extra space and you know, get your drinks out on the up. Feel up. We love that around here. First up, we have Ryan Eric King. Hello, sir. How's it going? Yeah, it's such a tragic, uh, tragic circumstance that McCam spontaneously combusted after Hamilton and Verstappen made contact on Sunday. It was like crossing the beams in Ghostbusters. You just, you just never know what what could potentially happen, and he was just taken to the great karting track in the sky. Um, you know what? <laughs> Well, after Damn, you summon the Dragon by, Balls. He was hit by the White Hummer from WCW that we still don't know <laughs> um, Hopefully, we'll have to summon the Dragon Balls and maybe he'll come back next week. We'll have to wait and see. Um, also with us, representing Atlanta United, RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Glad to be surging up the MLS tables. Um, more importantly, I think the most important development of this past weekend of motorsport. Hmm. The 2006 animated film, Cars, is real. Because this week, NASCAR announced after months of what seemed like far-fetched speculation that they are moving their preseason exhibition event, The Clash, from Daytona International Speedway to a temporary quarter-mile oval built inside the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Which, of course... Los Angeles International Speedway was the venue of the fictional Piston Cup finale for the mm. 2006 film Cars. 
It's real. It's happening. Um, I did see that. I was in shock when I read the news. I was like, what? <laughs> They're doing that. That's all mine! <laughs> yep. And um, also, if you follow him on Twitter, he was recommended by yours truly um, on episode 300. Um, don't follow Slapshoes' Twitter in the last couple of days. <laughs> oh, <no>! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my only question is, does it count if it's a non-points race? Just it, saying, we might have an out. As far as I'm concerned, a race... Just because there was not points handed out does not mean it was not a race. As far as I'm concerned, it counts. And, um... Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> Man, um, uh, that's, that's an easy way to get demonetized on YouTube. <laughs> Oh, the monetization was the least of my worries if that was the biggest problem here. Um, quite frankly. But, um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, good luck with that one, quite frankly. But, uh, yes, of course, I'm your host, Ray Harrison. Welcome aboard. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. On this week's episode, <laughs> we'll be talking the Italian Grand Prix uh, at Monza. And, uh, yes, um, it's not a good sign when the paragraph or the part of the script we have for the show the title is quote is called quote oh and McLaren won by the way um, because let's be honest here we all know where our attention lies on this one a uh, a, a flashpoint another flashpoint between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen which we promise we will get to um, and we'll be talking a lot about that and the impact that it had uh, we'll also be talking about the second round of sprint qualifying that we saw as well on Saturday, and this seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back when it came to the sprint mode format, because people were not happy with that one, and we'll be talking a little bit about why tough shit, it's probably here to stay, um, and a little bit about Aston Martin, because hey, we've got a bit of breaking news this, this afternoon, or this morning, I should say, that yeah, Aston Martin's keeping his, uh, keeping their two drivers, so we'll look a bit about that as well. We'll also be talking IndyCar um, at Portland this past weekend, where... Strategy was the name of the game, as well as a cataclysmic incident on the very first corner that had half a dozen cars spun out, beached, or cut in a chicane. Um, and in a roundabout way, somehow Alex Polo started and finished the race at the front of the field. And a big, big, big win for where that title could be going. We're talking about that in the 2022 calendar as well. Um, for those MotoGP fans out there listening, expecting us to talk about Aragon, time constraints... And we'll talk about it on next week's show. If you haven't already seen it, just as a spoiler, get out, get out there and watch. We're the giving you an race. entire extra week to go watch this, watch that MotoGP race. If you have the means to do it, or at homework. least watch the highlights. Go if, out of your if, way if, to do it. Just do it, Trey. If, where if, can they find the podcast? They, they can find the podcast on motorsport101.com, our website. We are also on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Subscribe to us there if you like the videos as they come out. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and Cam, who sadly isn't here, but he is at cbuckley917. Send in some portrait pictures, I might share them up. Um, also, we're on Instagram at motorsport101pod for all the latest updates and next extra bits from the show, as well as Patreon, if you'd like to back us financially on there. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, five bucks gets you early access to all of our audio episodes. You get upgrade to ten for the video version, and you get access to the supporters 
club on our Discord. We can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Also, shout out to everyone on our Discord server. They changed the rules over on Discord to, um, today. We're a level three server now, so thanks to everyone that's back 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 to some supporters and boosted the server on there. Shout out to all of you, very generous, generous people. Much much appreciated. Um, we get we get to put a banner on the back, King. You know, like like on YouTube and shit. It's like a Facebook cover photo, but on the internet. It's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all of that and much much more in the next hour or so as we talk Formula One, and let's start off with the Italian Grand Prix. You know, my prediction of Pierre Gasly doubling up at the Italian Grand Prix, I'll just, I'll come out and say it. Well, can't win them all, folks. Fuck <laughs> out on that one, didn't you, RJ? Do you, do you want to take this one, RJ? Well, I wasn't entirely wrong when I suggested maybe some silliness might happen uh, this weekend. So, <laughs> Valtteri Bottas was the king of speed. Friday afternoon to lead the field for the sprint on Saturday ahead of Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappens, and the two McLaren Mercedes of Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris. So in the sprint, which is qualifying and not a race, it's not a race, it just looks like one, Valtteri Bottas pulled away for an easy pole position, but Hamilton bogged down off the start and dropped to fifth. Hamilton was unable to regain any ground for the race, stuck behind the McLarens. Verstappen was essentially the true pole sitter, though, with Botas taking a power change and going to the back for Sunday's main event. In the race itself, Daniel Ricciardo nailed another start and took the early lead ahead of Verstappen and Norris. Verstappen tried an undercut at the pit stops for the lead, but... An error with the signal cost Matt's 10 seconds and dropped him down the order. But Hamilton also had a slow stop, putting the two contenders directly to the line of fire on exit. Verstappen tried the outside line, going into Variante Redifilio, that dreaded tight first chicane. Hamilton tried the eight, take the up exit turn two. Matt's went airborne off the sausage curb and mounted Hamilton's car into the gravel like it was Kelly PK, taking both of them out. Lewis taking a hit to the head as a result of Max Verstappen's wheel landing directly on top of his cockpit. Thankfully, no real harm was done. Verstappen was given a three-pace group penalty for Sochi uh, with two penalty points, which went over very well. And as the dust settled on 2021's second major championship flashpoint in the last two months... McLaren finished 1-2. Despite all the late bunch ups, despite the safety cars, no one had an answer for Daniel Ricciardo's pace. And he took the surprise win in the first 1-2 finish of the season. Not from Mercedes, not from Red Bull, but from McLaren, who had won in 3,212 days. Their first win since Brazil 2012. Very good race. Botas finished a superb comeback from the back of the grid on the podium after Sergio Perez was dropped from third to fifth for an illegal overtake on Charles Leclerc. Let's talk about McLaren. Yeah, that was so good. I'm so glad McLaren have won again. They changed the whole culture of the team. Daniel Ricciardo's got his confidence back. Lando Norris was seemingly happy to finish second place. What a good time. Look, can I just say as a disclaimer on the record, I did not write the line in the script about Kelly PK. Just, just, just as a disclaimer, <laughs> in case this comes back to me in any way, shape, or form. 
that that was off the cuff. But um, no, look, I I wrote about this earlier in the week, and yeah, like good for McLaren, man. Like honestly, if anyone's see like it's like there's two there's two types of Formula One races. There's the ones where the guys at the front normally win, and there's about three what I like to call shit house races a year where something freaky will happen that will throw up an odd result. We had Ocon earlier in the year at Hungary. It seems that McLaren has always seemingly dodged the lucky bullet, even though they've put themselves in the prime position to benefit if something happens to the big three as we know it. And this weekend was the jackpot. You know, we, we had shenanigans affect all three of the usual big hitters, and Sergio Perez just wasn't at the races entirely. Um, so who was there to inherit? Daniel Ricciardo, and, you know, Ricciardo... The McLaren's really, really good in low-drag setups. We've seen it before this season. We've seen it again here. There was... Uh, my favourite part of it was was when Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton was fighting in the first half of the race, and Hamilton's got enough of a run where they're coming out of the first chicane pretty much 50-50. Lando Norris has gone the long way around Curva Grande to try and defend... And he's putting away from Hamilton in in a straight line, and I'm like, shit, this 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 McLaren can pull. I ain't um, seen nothing like that since the first couple hybrid Williamses. <laughs> Those are the days that that low end top speed setup. But look, if you can if you could take advantage of those little errors that that guys make, and if you can get in front and take track position. If you're if you've got just enough to stop the deltas coming in and having the faster cars overtake you, you can reap the rewards. And no one had an answer for McLaren's top end speed all weekend. We saw it in the sprint race as well. Um, Hamilton was just stuck, could not get past Lando Norris, and and you know it, it showed. It showed. In the I'm end. so happy for Daniel because it had been such a rough season for him. And mm. even once once Hamilton was uh, Ricardo was in a position. Once Ricardo was in a position to take the lead, we are starting to wonder, is it going to feel right for Daniel Ricardo after all these struggles to be the guy to lead McLaren to victory and not Lando Norris? But once he got to the front, he drove a perfect race. So happy for him. He said he never left. He would just he just stepped to the side for a while. I'll admit, <laughs> I have never been happier to see someone drinking out of their own damn shoe in a post-pandemic world. Just once. Don't make it a habit, but just this once. Because we know what you've been through, buddy. It's been a hard time. Look, you you rightfully thought Renault were a team on the move up. And, and you need to get out of Red Bull. And it happens. Mm. We we didn't figure that this team would stagnate that much under Cyril. It happens. We didn't think that you would have this much trouble acclimating to a new McLaren for the first half of the season. It happens. But you got that win. Lando picking up the second place. That's so, ah, That's so good. That's so, so good. And it's Look, a fun I, McLaren team. It is it is a fun McLaren team. Look, I grew up with McLaren being the stuffy, boring, corporate black and silver, like, easy-to-dislike comic villains of Formula One. This, this is totally not me being a Ferrari fan growing up as a kid. Um, there's no unconscious bias here whatsoever. But... They're fun. They, their social media is great. Lando Norris, I mentioned before, is a game changer to the Gen Z fan base, and he mentioned it on Twitch. He, he pulls in fans that aren't F1 fans. That's gold dust in this in this sporting climate. Ricardo's always been a charismatic guy, and he's always been a very easy guy to root for because he's just every 
charming Australian you've ever seen in your life, and that's a good thing. And, the, and, and yeah, like, a shout out to Andreas Seidel as well. He's been a fantastic team principal for him ever since coming oh, in. He's been one of the best in the business. Like, this was coming for McLaren. That's... They brought him in out of the explosion of Porsche's LMP1 program. I had a very good feeling that fortunes were going to change at McLaren in a hurry, and they needed to. Oh. Because eventually, um, all the goodwill McLaren was going to get from that weird time where they were with Honda, that was going to run out at some point. They need to start delivering results, and lo and behold, they've started to deliver, and now they've got a win to show for it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Also, getting us one for you as well. Did you notice how Lando Norris was trying to grit his teeth after coming in second in all those team celebrations? (laughs) Where it's like, I. Obviously, great day for McLaren, but when you when you finish second, you always, especially against your teammate, you always think about what could I have done to get yeah. the win today. <laughs> yeah, like I, I it, it, I've seen enough on social media and in interviews to, to suggest that these two aren't the warmest with each other. I think they have a weird that, relationship with one another, from what I hear from good sources. It's not it, like Peter Carlando put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, so Orlando, who has a knack of coming up with some, you know, shall we say choppy remarks when he's on the losing side of things every once in a while, and him having to, I must admit, I thought it was funny watching him having to grit his teeth and celebrate a second place when he smoked Ricardo for most of the season, and this is the one time McLaren gets the rub of the green and it's Ricardo in front. Oh, glorious, glorious. I I have a feeling it's more like I think he is genuinely happy to contribute to a one-two finish, and I think he is genuinely happy that Daniel won this race. But I have—he's pissed. <laughs> next time, next time, it better be mine. <laughs> I've worked way too damn hard for it. And who knows? It may come at Jeddah. You—you never know what could happen. For once, Formula One 2021 is interesting. Look, Trey King. Dana Ricardo gets to drive in that Dale Earnhardt NASCAR Cup Series car. How oh. cool is that? I think King can rate this one a bit more than me because he, he obviously had been the American out of the two of us. But uh, I, I did not think when Zach Brown made that wager he'd actually have to cash it in, especially after the first few rounds where it looked like Lando was just beating the pants off him. And uh, yeah, so of course Ricardo gets the one win for the year. So Zach needs to come up with better bets. He's already lost yeah. one to Pato Award earlier in the season, and now he's lost one to Daniel Ricardo. Like Zach. Like, be a bit cleverer in the bookie's house, okay? Hey, I mean, <laughs> F1 test, not not that big of a deal, not much to lose. Having one of your drivers race one of your vintage race cars, oh man, there's a lot that could go wrong. <laughs> there's a lot that could go so right, too. <laughs> no, no, there, there's not many. No, the, the one right outcome is he brings it back in one piece. Every yep. other outcome is bad. Um, it's like it's like that scene from Top Gear when James May is trying. He wants to drive one of Chris Evans' old Ferraris. It's like, dude, this car's worth like fifteen mil. Like, can you afford the insurance <laughs> on that? Like, oh, I wouldn't even begin to imagine. But I think I think we're dancing around the obvious one here now. Um, we could we can put this off no longer. Hamilton versus Verstappen at the chicane. Um, the the clash heard around the world. The the second coming. And <laughs> RJ's got the hard hat on just in case. 
Um, he's not here anymore. <laughs> so, King, it's, it's just the two of us, King. Um, where do we even start on this one, on this incident? I mean, first and foremost, what did you make of the incident itself? Like, is there an apportion of blame to be handed out here? Is this That's just a racing incident? I mean, what did you make of it all when you watched it in real time? Oh, should I say on repeat? Because as you saw her on Twitter, <laughs> you chose a bad one to sleep through, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, like... Even in the immediate aftermath, like, well, watching the replay of it happening, I, even to this moment, I'm leaning towards, like, 60-40, like, 60% of it being Max's fault, where, uh, yes, Lewis did put Max in a position where it was like, hey, do you want to have an accident or not here, buddy? And then Max said, bet. I mean, I had it roughly about the same. I, I, if, if somebody put a gun to my head and said, Dre, you've got to blame someone for this race more than 50 50, what blame would you say? Somebody. <laughs> yeah. You have to blame somebody. By the way, Valtteri Botas' reaction to it after the race <laughs> fucking gold. We found our new meme for that, by the way. Because oh. he's just looking back like. And then it looks like, oh, well, that's a shame. Well, that can be y'all's problem next year, because I'm getting that sweet, sweet Stellantis money. I, I, I have to say, I love, like, partial heel turn Valtteri Bottas way more than Goody Two-Shoes face Bottas ever was. Where I was like this Valtteri Bottas the last I like this. I, I like sassy Bottas. This is, like, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was all that, New meme format dropped beautifully on that. But no, I mean, if somebody put a gun to my head right now, I would probably say 52-48 Verstappen. And as I mentioned on the website, um, nothing important in life has ever been decided by a 52-48 majority. Um, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> I, I don't think there was enough in it from either party to warrant anything cynical anything regarding intentions or even warranting a penalty. I think they were both fully aware of what they were getting themselves into on this one. Um, if you're Lewis Hamilton, a man who's lost three head-to-heads on a corner against Verstappen this season already, Imola, Catalonia, and turn one at this very Grand Prix, or turn two at this very Grand Prix already, surely you know by now Verstappen is not going to yield. Like, uh-huh. Any smart racing driver would realise this by now. You know it's Verstappen coming out of the pits. You swung your car out to try and pinch his entry going in in the first place. So you knew exactly what you were trying to do. Um, for me, like Hamilton knew exactly what he was doing. He thought, I've got the divine right to the corner. I'm going to take it. Max, who had maybe two-thirds of a car alongside, we could maybe make an argument that he was entitled to a little bit more space. Yeah. There's, I think there's a, I don't think it's a, I wouldn't laugh you out of the room if, if Christian Horner made that argument. I'd be like, yeah, maybe, you know. Um, but Max, who is on the other side of the coin, he's, he's, he's been doing this his whole career. That's the point. Like, like people were so shocked that Max didn't back down. And I'm like, this is Max Verstappen's 133rd Grand Prix. This is who he is. <laughs> like, this is a guy that got tangled up with a back marker and cost himself yeah. a win a couple of years ago. Like, 
his race craft has always been on the hyper-aggressive side of the modern space. Absolutely. Uh, and that's why people were so gravitated to this guy. Yeah. That's why I'm this saying, is why, like, yeah. Max Verstappen taking clinical uh, pole-to-win victories is not what people subscribe to when they signed up for the Max Verstappen hype train. No, they want to see this guy pass his way through the field and if-gap car at any possible opportunity that presents itself. I remember the days of guys like Mark Fuse when they were still writing for Sky Sports F1 and in Verstappen's rookie season back in 2015, gassing this man up to the hilt for, you know, those sort of aggressive moves that you just wouldn't normally see in F1. This, this unrelenting, complete, old, like almost like an old school 80s, 90s ruthlessness that, you know, in a sporting club where everyone started to complain about, you know, people are getting soft and the stewards have got too many penalties these days and these cars don't race each other, Max Verstappen comes along and dive bombs the shit out of people. And we all love it. <laughs> like, we love it. Like, I remember just how much hype Max got at the start of his career. This is, this is Max and the team that had Carlos Sainz in the other car. Also, fantastic prospect and, you know, brilliant race driver in his own right now as well. But, you know, a guy that missed out on a lot of the entitlement that Verstappen's had in his career. This is, this is who he is. This is who he's always yeah. been. Like, I don't know why people were surprised that Verstappen didn't back down on this. Cause if you, if you were surprised, you probably haven't been paying attention. Um, yeah. Or you're new to the sport, in which case, hi, welcome, we're glad that you've come along, Driver Survive seems to be doing the numbers, and we appreciate that very much. Indeed. But Indeed. I, I do have to chime in with one thing, because I, I, from my own personal perspective, you're, you're right, I, three, three great plays, it's, it's silly that Matt Verstappen gets a penalty, but I also get the feeling of, like, three great places that Red Bull Honda can make those up at Sochi. Yeah. It's. I do have to chime in and say that I am. I'm just so surprised that a lot of our more extreme MV33 ultras were so surprised after pumping the narrative of Lewis Hamilton, remorseless killer, <laughs> trying to drive their bo- their gu- their guy into a hospital after Silverstone that. If if the opportunity presented itself, they didn't even think for a second that it could be flipped back on them after the whole thing about, like, Lewis saying, Matt's didn't even go to check on me. And, like, yeah, Matt's looked over and said, you're good? Like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I get that, like, Matt's, even if he didn't, like, plead on his hands and knees, just like, please, Lewis, please be okay as you're trying to back your car off of the top of my... <laughs> Out of the front underneath that night, that's fine. But, you know, you kind of had to expect that that was going to be coming. The other instance of, like, sour stand behavior on social media, it's like, Alan Vandermeer knows what he's doing a lot more than you do as far as, like, being the driver of a medical car in a sport like this. You, you don't need to come at him for that. That That's just childish. Yeah. Incipient um... verbal diarrhea is what I call it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the reaction to this on social media was ugly. I, I mean, I'm very lucky to have a platform of 5,000 plus where you get to see a lot of people's opinions on it in a very short amount of time, ones that were very reactionary. I've had people break off friendships with me over, over, over this incident, which is really, really annoying because the the embrace of Lewis Hamilton is so strong now that anything that goes against him is like now some sort of grand conspiracy um, by the sport to the point where now it's like, well, why wasn't the medical car there? And I'm like, well, there was no reason for the medical car to be there. As Verstappen walks past, to check on Hamilton, I may add, because he did check on Hamilton. Yeah. Um, to, to, people, to people trying to make out like some sort of character assassination on Max that, oh no, like he didn't check on him. He did. While Hamilton is yeah. still trying to yeah, reverse my point, his my car point is not that Max Verstappen is. My point is not to make a, a point about assassinating Max Verstappen's character. My point is just like more like, hey, you probably should have expected the ter- the tables to turn a little bit after yeah. Silverstone. Just of saying, of if the op- if there is a if there is a gap, they're going to ram that car straight through it. Yeah, like King, wasn't it? You, you, said, you mentioned before the show that you think it was your cousin who lost. Did you think that Hamilton and Verstappen were going to clash again? What was your response to him? Just yes, just no hesitation, <laughs> just yes. <laughs> and a, that was a, that was uh, the weekend of the Dutch Grand Prix. So <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, anyone and their mother could have guessed this. Do you really think the closest title fight we've had in the better part of a decade? was only going to have one major flashpoint between the two main protagonists, the clear number one and two guy in the sport right now. Um, no, look, this, this, th- there was some horrible misinformation that was going around regarding this incident. And my theory is, is that people saw the pictures of Verstappen's rear wheel, unfortunately, clipping Hamilton on the top of the helmet. And I think people went ape shit after that because, you know, um, we, if, if you, if you seen it in real time, you would not have guessed that, you know, Verstappen's tire had literally landed directly on Hamilton's head. Um, you know, and again, on real, in real time watching it, you'd think Hamilton was fine because he was still trying to reverse his car out of the gravel trap after the incident had even happened. Um, then people saw the pictures and they were like, oh my god, why wasn't people down there? Why wasn't it like, why wasn't there a medical car down there? And I'm like, well, there because, was no reason to. Yeah, because simply they have way more information ab- about the driver's condition mm. than, than you do at home. Besides yeah. the, the reverse facing onboard camera, uh, that's, they use it occasionally on the broadcast, but it's mainly there for the FIA. Uh, they also have, uh, all the helmets have accelerometers in them, so they know how hard any impact against the helmet is. So mm-hmm. if the, Im- if, like, if Verstappen's tires clipping Lewis's helmet was that hard of an impact, they would have been there immediately. Yep. And, of, of course, because people saw the pictures, they just assumed, oh, this was a massive whack on the head, why weren't you down there? And then, of course... People started, you know, accusing Alan of, you know, well, why weren't you down there? And then people, they tried to vaguely dress it up as we're asking questions. It's like, no, no, you don't, you're not tagging the dude in these conversations unless you're trying to demand some sort of response or logic as to why they didn't do it. And we do not know better than the experts do, you know, and it's a dangerous and slippery slope to start thinking that we do. And what was even more startling to me was that certain threads from other peers within this community that had upwards of 10,000 likes on Twitter 
That is an alarming number of people liking threads with misinformation in it regarding this incident and why the medical car wasn't down there. It's it reminds me a lot of bigger incidences like you know, you know, like like a COVID or like a pandemic sort of situation where misinformation yeah. gets spread. Like yeah. you know, RJ they lay off the horse trucks, just just throwing it out there in general. Yeah. Lay but, off the horse trucks, lay off the iodine. Um, yeah. Please don't make the health the health minister of Trinidad and Tobago have to make statements because because <laughs> Nicki Minaj was on one. I said I wasn't going to reference that. I wasn't going to describe it in detail. Right. I thought I had it out of my system, but I did. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's easy to spread misinformation, and it feels like it feels like a lot of people have been brought up in environments where it's. It feels like it's a competition. If if I'm the loudest, if yeah. I'm the loudest and the most outraged, that means I'm the most correct. Yeah, well, that's just not the case. You see black authors that don't even watch Formula One regularly accusing Verstappen of trying to decapitate Lewis Hamilton. And I'm just like, oh, God, you're not helping anyone here with this. And, yeah, it's it's the same old story of tweets or or opinions that are going to try and make one person look worse than the other in this scenario that gets all the traction on social media now and it is toxic as fuck and like I said I've seen I saw threads regarding this that had 10,000 likes of them and the information was just flat out wrong and and we as a community should know better, but we don't because we think too much with our hearts and our uh, Trinidadian-sized nuts in some cases, clearly. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you said it, not me. <laughs> I thought I'd play into it. Um, but it, it, the reaction was awful, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to come out and say it. In many cases, it was completely hypocritical. Like, Christian Horner got thrown under a bus at Silverstone for implying that Hamilton was a dirty driver. And I'm not saying that's okay, because Hamilton probably isn't a dirty driver in the grand scheme of no. things. No, that's a really um, clumsy incident. But, of course, yeah. they, don't, they don't punish based on the outcome of the incident, which is something no. that people still can't get through to their heads. Yeah. It's because it's, because yeah, the, it's, the it's outcome's a, not a factor. Max for Lewis Hamilton tried to deliberately commit first degree murder and gets to celebrate with his with his pants off and his shirt off like it's the greatest day in his life. Yeah, yeah they had to know yeah. it was going to come back because I'd say that like generally this level of discourse in other sports is. For the most part, the vast majority of it, whether it be, like, officiating or, like, yeah. things like that is fine in other sports. But it's different in motorsport because, again, someone could lose their life out there. Oh, absolutely. Just, just going off the cuff because you're mad that your driver got taken out is not acceptable. Because yeah. there needs to be a space to actually have these conversations in a calm and measured way because people's lives are on the line. Yeah. And Twitter is really not the place for that, in case you couldn't <laughs> tell from the last ten minutes. Yeah. I, I um, can tell you, no. this, this extends to any form of uh, microblogging, yeah. instantaneous social media. Hell, I would even say message boards are not... You, I, I would say, like, minimum ten minutes to take a deep breath and think about mm. it before you post. That's all yeah. I'm thinking. 
give yourself give yourself some time. No, I was going to say like it's we were complete hypocrites on this one because like I said people people were so quick to point the character assassination cards at Max. Like I said, Christian Horner got got. He was accused on the extreme end of things of being a race baiter because he called Hamilton a dirty driver on this um, and was accused of being microaggressive that way. Toto Wolff described the incident as a tactical foul like something out of football. Like, there's no bluffing on this one. Toto essentially implied the exact same accusation that Verstappen did it on purpose. Well, the thing is that I... I get where he's coming from in terms do, of being a tactical foul. Because, again, with Verstappen in the points lead, the worst case scenario if... He breaks even. Yeah, he breaks even if neither of them scores points. So, in that in that line of thinking, it was a tactical foul. If Lewis says, oh, Lewis gives me a, hey, it's, it's either you let me go ahead or... We both crash out. If I'm Max Verstappen, I'm taking the crash out option every time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I've just got a five point lead thanks to those points I scored in what is not a race, but a sprint. Like, right. was it done intentionally? No. But the option arose, and. Yeah. Dre, yeah. do you know for certain if anybody touched any pudding before this race? That's that's all I need to know. Did somebody touch, like, a bad pizza with hot dog slices on it? <laughs> Has the culture changed that much? Hang on, hang on. You did cut out a little bit during this. Just run that sentence back for a second. There's one for the King in post. Okay. So, yeah, it did cut out a little bit. Yeah, so basically, like, again, uh, Lewis put Max in a situation where it's like, you let me go ahead, or we both crash out. And hmm. if you're Max, you're taking the crash out option every time. Did yeah, Max he, intentionally he, cause the accident? No, but... The option's there, and it's the better one. Yeah, absolutely. Max, uh, Max leaves leaves the winner because he's plus two on Hamilton from the sprint race. So he's he's won over the weekend. He's two points up on Hamilton compared to when Monza started. He didn't Sorry, touch the pudding. That was, that was his key to success. <laughs> now, there's one oh, for the football fans out there. Oh, the eyes of being a United fan in a truly awkward time. Uh, no, but I mean. I, I, I get what why Total Wolf was saying that. All I'm saying is is that I didn't see a fiery backlash to Total Wolf's comments accusing Verstappen of an intentional wreck, unlike Horner did the, in Silverstone. It's not a fair fight, and don't get me wrong, I don't expect Hamilton to lose a popularity contest on the internet, because that's just never going to fucking happen no. at this point. But we are... We are exhibiting our unconscious bias in this sport far too strongly. We're far too emotional. We are far too instantaneous in our responses. And it's going to lead to, as Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, some uncivilized behavior. And it, it's, it, it will lead to more ugly turning points like this one. But all I will say to round it off is um, anyone that didn't think that was going to happen, where have you been this season? And where have you been watching Verstappen's career to this point? Because, my God. Um, yeah, a free place group penalty for Verstappen. It's for Russia if you just didn't know already. Um, I think there's a chance Red Bull might just take the engine change because if they can't pass around there, then they Last might as well go the points the back. challenge, baby. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, they might just take they might just take the power unit change now and, and just say, you know, what, if we're going to finish fourth anyway, you know, we might as well just take the power unit and take that penalty now. If they, if they can't pass around Sochi, they don't know by the time they get there when it comes to deltas and whatnot, they'll be running the numbers on that because. Whether we like it or not, in this era where track position is king, starting fourth is a huge disadvantage at best. Um, and that's assuming he gets pole position. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Speaking of qualifying and whatnot, this was the second weekend of the sprint qualifying format. Uh, and uh, Silverstone was kind of like a lukewarm reception to the first running. Of, uh, of, of of sprint qualifying and the sprint not a race. This one, this one didn't oh, go down so well. was hot, all right. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was. was kind of he did. I mean, it I was... slept through it, so I, 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 I'm the, probably not the best. You didn't miss much. Um, Un- unfortunately, this was the session that I woke up in time for. <laughs> of course, uh, just your luck, buddy. Bad, bad luck, man. You, you, you flipped the wrong coin on that one, King. Um, there was a lot of complaints about spring qualifying on social media and, and whatnot. I can understand why to a degree, because, yeah, it was a drab affair. There wasn't a lot of action at all, unfortunately. And it derailed poor Pierre Gasly's weekend as well as we saw um, in the sprint itself. But... There's been a lot of talk about changes and tweaks and potential modifications. I mean, do you guys want to keep this? I mean, because I mean, let's be real here. We, King, you'll talk about this, I'm sure, in a minute. Like this format's not going anywhere, whether we, you know, whether we like it or not. Yeah, it's not our prerogative if we like to see this or not, King. Because there is one source that very, 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 very much wants to see this, and it likes what it's seeing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, our friends at Formula One Management love what they're seeing. I mean, they're not looking at the track, but they certainly are looking at the TV ratings coming in. Mm, um, yeah, credit to Motorsport Broadcasting on Twitter for pointing this out. But they did a, they ran a US comparison between this weekend at Monza and the previous race weekend last week at Zandvoort, and they lined up. FP2, which is roughly the same time on a Friday, compared to the sprint qualifying that we saw on... No, no, just qualifying. No, just qualifying, sorry, my bad. Just qualifying. And, uh, yeah, significant viewer uptick um, for sprint qualifying on the Friday. Yeah, we want to because, see. because it was a 300% so, yeah, increase yeah, Dre, sprint, quali- sprint qualifying is on Saturday regular qualifying is on Friday sorry sorry it, 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 it's, it's an easy mistake to make <laughs> but um, yeah I think it was a 300% increase like for like uh, yeah it was close to 300% I think it was like in two, like 275% but it's pretty much Almost the three times increase compared to FP2 and then Friday qualifying. Yes, this is why so, we get more football across the board, even and, if it's not necessarily the best thing. And even when you compare regular Saturday qualifying to sprint Saturday qualifying, there was an increase there. Yeah, so it's clearly working. Like it's doing what the FIA intended or FIM intended for it to do. You, you you're making more people watch on Fridays, and obviously there's, an, there's been an uptick in, in, in the Saturday where the conventional qualifying would be on the Saturday. The sprint 
is is there's an uptick in viewers there as well. So, relatively speaking, if you're the if you're FOM, getting three days of meaningful action with a very much more engaged audience is always going to be better than two. So there's no con here. Like people are watching. So you know it's not going to go anywhere. But there were some valid concerns about the format relative to the cars we're in right now. I mean, King, you posed the question on your Twitter, like, what would you do? What would you keep and, and whatnot? I mean, what were you thinking regarding all of this? Because I know you're a bit of a you're, a, you're a deep thinker on these sorts of things. Yeah, I'd say, obviously, the consensus is we can't go back to where we were before because it's far too popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ross Braun already said that they're not going to do it at every, at every race event. It's not possible that it would mm-hmm. be for special race weekends that they would make their own you know, Grand Slam events. But I think, I think generally, especially with the near unanimous backlash against the poll statistic going to mm. uh, whoever wins sprint qualifying, and even Ross Braun pointed that out, like, yeah, that's something that we're going to have to look at. Mm. Uh, I think they... And, like, they, they want it to be whoever finishes first in qualifying, and whoever finishes first on Saturday, whatever session that may be, <laughs> uh, I think they should swap around when they do the session. So, I think ideally they should move uh, the sprint race to Friday and move conventional qualifying back to Saturday like normal, but, okay. you know, so... Th- but don't award any points for the sprint race, please. Uh, okay. I'd probably recommend uh, the grid for the sprint race being determined by reverse championship order. And once you, you know, work your way back, when you get to the people who have no points, you just do a random draw for the rest of the grid, which would be the first part of the grid. And uh, whoever finishes in the top 10 gets a buy through Q1 straight into Q2. Just like, you know, very similar to what they do in MotoGP. Yeah, where mm-hmm. top 10 fastest after FB3 goes straight through to Q2 for those guys who don't like watch that. MotoGP. I like uh, that. That's a good idea. King, what are you going to run for FIA president? I, I don't know. There's never been an American FIA president. Hell, there's I never think, been a non-European FIA president. I, I think you and Josh Wilcock should come, to, should, should come together and form a combined ticket. I'd vote for it. Um, <laughs> you know... Uh, <laughs> copies of the, of the uh, autobiography for everybody, but um, I had an idea. I I put it up there on on the website as well, um, talking about it. I my idea was essentially award more points for the sprint. Um, and if, you, if, you're gonna, if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a sprint race, go all the way with it. That's what I've always said. If, you, if, if you're gonna open this Pandora's box, you need you need a more aggressive format. Are we talking so, fifteen points for the winner, just like they do in Formulas Two and yeah. Three? Yeah, I was like, yeah, top uh, points for top eight. You know, fifteen, twelve, etc. Throw in a point for fastest lap because hey, this is all about speed, right? So you might as well chuck in the point for fastest lap and whatnot. And I was like, well. After the conventional qualifying on the Friday, you randomize a certain number of grid spots for the sprint race on Saturday, like the British Touring Car Championship used to do. And I can't believe, like, for all those people that keep telling me, Dre, watch Touring Cars. This is your moment right here, folks. I'm boring <laughs> off your sport. Um, all you Colin Turkington fans out there, this is your moment. But, um, 
like this is the BTCC used to do this. They used to get one of the drivers up at the front of the grid on TV live, and he would pull a number out of a hat, and that would be the amount of places that would get reversed. And I would say keep it at random because you you don't want it to be intentional. Where it's like okay, P10 starts the sprint race on pole. Um, you didn't want that because then people won't bother running in Q3. So it's going to be a random number between the Q2 and the Q3 entries. I said between seven and twelve, something like that. And they pull a number out, that lucky dog goes to the front of the sprint race queue, and then that's the conventional weekend. So if you're going to do this, my opinion is be more aggressive with the format and go all the way with it. That's how, that's how I looked at it, personally. RJ? I just want to point out for our uh, for our dedicated BTCC uh, viewer base that Ashley Sutton, with 12 races and four rounds left, has a 30-point lead over Tom Ingram. I, I just feel that we need to just completely round that out. No, I, I don't. I, I don't disagree that you know this format does need to change, but I. But people got to realize that it's not going anywhere because it's making huge, huge dollars. So yeah, Ross Braun is totally justified in saying, "Hey, no problems here. We like what we're seeing. Maybe not so much on track, but in terms of the revenue that that's making, oh baby, he's got to be loving that." Can I also say oh, as well, yeah. because I know my partner Vanessa would kill me if I didn't, George Russell finished in the top 10 of a points-paying race in the dry. And no one cared. <laughs> it's like, Let's it's go! Like, George, you're all news. It's like, George, you got your podium. News. You're good. <laughs> you got your podium. You had your fun, George, right? No Run one cares about Night Snowball. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. No, it's, it's like I love that that George Russell just finished ninth. Nicholas Latifi, I think, was eleventh as well, and just no one cared. Uh, it was just like we're all too busy focusing on the title fight at the front. Sky dedicated the first forty-five minutes of its post-race coverage to that incident. Johnny Herbert and Felipe Massa nearly came to blows on live television over it, which was great entertainment, I must say. It was like watching an episode of First Take with Stephen A. Um, <laughs> hey, Hearn, you, you want to book a couple of celebrities to go boxing? I say these two should go at it. Sure, Try why not? Robert and Massa. It'll be fun, but uh, yeah, you're like, whoa, a, a lot going on on that one. So yeah, like, let us know in the comments or, or wherever you can find us. Which, which format would you like more out of me and Kings? You know, let, let us know. That'd be quite interesting. Um, that'd be quite fun. Also, just before we get out of the F1 section, we, we got to talk a little bit about Aston Martin real quick. They announced this morning that, uh, yes, as we all predicted, we didn't predict it, <laughs> especially on our Discord, um, that they are keeping their lineup. Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll will be back in the Aston Martin cars as of 2022. Fellas, I know it was kind of expected, really. That was the majority call, but I know, King, you had some doubts for a minute there on Discord as well, didn't you? Yeah, I was convinced by some insider information that, hey, maybe he could be retiring. And it sort of made sense, like, in terms of uh, how COVID stunted Aston Martin's growth mm -hmm. and how they expected to go into the season with an expanded factory and more staff, and that's not really coming around until uh, at earliest the, the new factory won't be open until the end of the 2022 season. And in terms of Sebastian Vettel, well, while Sebastian Vettel is a couple years younger than Lewis Hamilton, so he does have more seasons left than Lewis, uh, it's it's not that many more. No. 
Um, Vettel's 34, you know, so he's already getting up to that age where a retirement wouldn't be surprising at this point. He's a, you know, 15-season veteran nearly at this point. So, you know, it wasn't... I mean, I must admit, King's theory did make a lot of sense. I didn't I didn't really think about it until King mentioned it. And I also saw the fact that they've, they've laid the first shovels of soil where their new factory is going to be. They made a big deal about that. They brought out the JCBs. You know, we got that old Minnesota Vikings style. Everyone puts a shovel in the ground shots, you know, whenever they're building something new. Um, But yeah, we're not going to see the true benefits of that for at least another couple of years. So is Vettel prepared to stick around that long? We'll have to wait and see. But besides that, not really a, uh, you know, not really a surprising, shall we say, announcement, which means... We're down to one seat left. Who gets the last Alfa Romeo seat? Uh, I, I just love that the that apparently the Italian government wants to uh, wants to try and fundraise to try and keep Giovinazzi in that second Alfa seat. This is a matter of national importance because just like when Liuzzi and Truly retired, our prospect covered is barren. Andrea Antonelli is another two to three years out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. The pipeline for Italians is looking. Uh, it's looking better than America's pipeline, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big pipeline, apparently. If you're Italy, what? Who are your home on? Fucking Delena, like. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say? Because I know we don't talk about Formula Two on this show anymore, but I love that there was a point during one of these Formula Two feature races where we're thinking, "Oh my God, is Alessio Delena going to shit house his way to a reverse grid pole in one of these races?" Now he's running tenth, but oh, I'm just God, like, yeah. guys, guys, he's got to actually hold this for several laps. He's not gonna. And no, sure no. enough. Sure enough, it, it, it didn't. It did not fly that way. But uh, I, I did briefly shit myself when, when, when I was like, "Oh my god, he's in tenth. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Um, <laughs> we can't have this." Um, I don't think the internet would be ready for this, um, quite frankly. But uh, no, that that could be that. We 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 we, we dodged that crisis. Thank thank goodness. But uh, yeah, Italy. I described it as a 5 out of 10 race with a 10 out of 10 result, and uh, that probably that probably automatically makes it a cut above most Italian Grand Prix. So, you know, go watch it if you like a minor surprise. Watch the highlights. And, and you know, Rule 34 taking place in the middle of an F1 race. <laughs> no exceptions. <laughs> no exceptions. King, talk to us about IndyCar. <laughs> You'd have never guessed that Alex Pillow would win in Portland after seeing him speed past the first chicane on the opening lap, but somehow, here we are. Uh, turn one, utter mess, everyone going everywhere in the runoff, only a, like, how far down in the field did we get till we actually got the first person to actually go through both transponder lines? I think it was... I think it was- I think it was seventh place Pato Award. Yes. This is Monza. This is Portland. Tight right left chicanes causing chaos in the middle of a race. Because it mm. took them ten laps to get everything sorted sorted out. And then Pato Award is in the lead. Everyone else who went in the runoff straight to the back. And uh, 
Even though Pato had the lead, he had clean air, he struggled to get his harder tires to work, and by the second round of pit stops, Graham Rahal gets the lead, and then, ooh, there was a late caution because Pagano just went around, um, and, oh, it was so weird, I've never thought I'd see the day that someone could just shoot off into the runoff. I mean, shoot off into the runoff on the first lap, get sent all the way to the back, and then work the way through the field back to the front, and hold off Alexander Rossi, and then win the race. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Polo winning ahead of Alex Rossi, and uh, yep, Scott Dixon, the other major title, one of the other major title contenders was in third. Joseph Newgarden was fifth on the day. Pado Award, who, as we joked about last week, spent an awful lot of money putting this race on free to wear for his home country of Mexico. Got to see him finish in 13th place. Ooh, struck out on that one, Pado. Bad luck. Yeah. But the, the, the in race point swing was massive because after, you know, the leaders got sent to the back and Pado was up front at, at various stages in the race, it seemed like leaving Portland. Patricio Award was going to be up 50 points on Polo going yeah. into Laguna Seca. Now he's down 25. <laughs> <laughs> he's down. This was a huge swing in points. Probably about, as a team wins, probably a 50 point plus swing on this one. But with two rounds to go in the championship, Alex Polo leads the way with 477 points. Pano Award is 25 back in second. And realistically, we only think probably one of maybe Joseph Newgarden, who's minus 34 at this point, and Scott Dixon hanging on to the one race gap, barely, minus 49. And uh, apparently Emma was not best pleased in the paddock <laughs> regarding the reshuffle of the field. Um, no. Yeah. Um, no, no. Oh, yeah. The poor fella was hit going into turn one by Felix Rosenquist, and that was like this close to being an airplane crash. Um, and all three of them had to cut the chicane. I think there was about six cars that were affected with it by the end. Uh-huh. Yep. Hinchcliffe was taken out by Romain Grosjean. Askew was spun around. Um, breaking it. It was <laughs> one of those incidents where, no, it's not like a bunch of cars torn up, millions and millions of dollars in damage. Not Someone has to be checked into the hospital for, uh, for serious injuries. But it was still really, really messy. And it's especially from some of the newer people like I didn't want to have to write about uh, I didn't want to have to write a story alluding to Romain Grosjean's first lap's troubles from his early F1 career. And yet (laughs) you're making me rehash these old shitty narratives that I disliked (laughs) then and I don't like now. You know what and that's also co- that's arguably cost Roman Grosjean rookie of the year because that was his opportunity mm-hmm. to pull away, and now he's facing a thirty-eight point deficit to Scott McLaughlin with two races remaining. Mm. I was going to say, RJ, you had, you had the perfect excuse lined up for that written piece. It was that they, the drivers were clearly distracted by the huge, ungainly figure of Paul Tracy at the Turn One Apex. <sighs> Seeing him there, it's like, oh, shit. Like, oh, oh, shit, shit um, but, um, better if oh. car out of, out of respect. Like, I was going to say, like, with a 25-point advantage, two rounds to go, are we done? Like, is, is that... Was that match point for Alex Polo? Well, it's, it's 50 for a win. So, mm. theoretically... 
I'd There's say... There's 108 points on the table, including bonuses. Like, I'd say, theoretically, you're still in this if you're behind 25 heading into the last race. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you could still be where Dixon is 49 points back and be mathematically eligible to uh-huh. win, but it is absurdly difficult to score zero points in an IndyCar race. You cannot it's, score it's, zero it's impossible. points in an IndyCar race unless you miss, because after 25th, they still pay out five points. Uh, it's a flat rate from 25th down. Yeah, so, man. five drivers is still mathematically eligible, but I gotta say, Marcus Erickson, it's been a great season. It's not great happening job, for you this year. Unlucky. That, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. this is, this is, like, as a team... Ganassi's best year in a very long time. Oh, yeah. We, we haven't the top five is an insane achievement. The fact that Marcus had an outside shot even going into this with three, with, with, with three rounds to go is like, you're already playing with house money at this point. Like, you've got Dixon, who is Dixon. Polo has been absolutely sensational pretty much all season long. The, the surprise maybe of IndyCar maybe the last two or three years winner, that alone wicked, this season. Winner, winner, fried chicken dinner, baby. That's all I got <laughs> Oh, say. yeah. All the fried chicken. Um, which might be our new code word for pancakes, given that his missus was there for the first time on school this weekend <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> like, I blame Zoe Hamilton for that one. Zoe, that's on you. You mentioned that during the Sunday call. We watched it on Discord. I'm blaming her. Take all complaints to at we Zoe on Twitter. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, 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 I think King's right. I think 20, I think if you can keep the gap at 25 into the final round, who knows? Because this was the definition of a wacky race where another day, if you don't get that pit stop reshuffle, you don't get those cautions in the middle at the end of the race. Pelot could be finishing this race in 15th place. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. And we're already talking about the final two races where, like, if IndyCar wanted to pick two places where it is the most difficult places to overtake, it is mm. Laguna Seca and Long Beach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, you do not want to fumble the bag in the fastest. You do not want to be put in a position like Pat O'Ward was on Saturday where his own teammate bumped him out of the buzzer to deny him a spot in the fastest. You do not want that to have happen going into either one of these two races. Even if they didn't, even if they did have, if even worse if they have, like, the Gran Turismo 2 physics at the corkscrew. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, I remember those days. Um... <laughs> Yeah, like Felix, way to go there. Way to be a great teammate and bump your, bump your man's out. Um, like, but once hey, it almost twice. worked out for him in the end because he did put his driver in positional lead of the race. He did. He was like, just, 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 just give Pillow a little smooch, little kiss. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's Pillow's to lose. It, like the qualifying rounds in these two rounds are going to be so important going into it, especially My at Long Beach. Because let's just, let's just, let's, like, let, yeah, go, go on, Ardo. My only concern is if Pelot's inexperience at these last three tracks is going to be a problem, though from what I saw in Portland, I'm less worried about that. Man held off Alex Rossi at the end of the race. In fact, bullied, bullied Rossi into a mistake with a handful of laps to go. Like He did not give Rossi an inch the whole way through. And Rossi, who we all associate with breakneck ridiculous speed, man who can win just about anywhere when he's feeling it, He's the one that coughed up the error. It didn't cost him anything besides a shot of the win in the end, but it Pelot withstood the pressure brilliantly. You know, it, it's going to take something special to beat this man head-to-head. We, the only other time I can think of was the Indy 500, and that was 
Helio, who you could argue was the greatest 500 runner Helio of all time. Um, Helio you know. defying the effects of aging, which is why <laughs> if one of the latest silly season rumors comes true, I'm putting all my money on Takuma Sato winning his third 500 per coin. Mm. Oh, Lord. Rumors of, him, rumors of him and Dale Coyne next year. Mm. Damn, that's uh, nice. Uh, that, that Portland. Uh, we've been here a couple times since it's came. It's come back for the first time over the decade. Uh, what do we think about it? Is it still good? Should we find somewhere else in the Midwest and the Northwest to race? Is uh, there anywhere else in the Northwest to race? There, there isn't, unless you want to race in like uh, seven eighths mile oval. Nah. Mm. Uh, I'd say it's it's decent. It's not it's not my favorite road course, but it's not a bad road course. It's got heritage at least, and IndyCar likes that. Yeah, I mean they don't like it so much for Milwaukee, but you know, like it for no. Depends on what heritage we're talking here. Um, I was going to say, I mean, for me, I think it's fine. I don't. I, it's not my like. I. I think not every race course, can be nineteen ninety seven. No, of course not. And for me, when it comes to IndyCar road courses, I still put Road America at the absolute top of that pile. Quite frankly, hard like, number one. Like no, no, for me, it's America. farther than everything It's an else. unfair standard to hold everybody to Road for, America. For me, it's Watkins Quest. Oh, I miss Watkins... You know, bring it in, King. Bring it in, bring it in. Like, I love Watkins Glen, too. I, I, I do. And I do. and, and I'd love Sonoma, to see Watkins Glen Black. But I, I think it's fine. I think it's it's not like you can't pass there. We did see a couple of nice oh, of yeah. nice moves there. Alex Rossi had a brilliant double overtake into turn one um, at one point. Will Power had one of the best overtakes you, that will never be replayed in any season montage ever again. If you find the highlights, it was a dive into the back the back sequence of corners at the end of the circuit. It was incredibly brave. Um, it was like it's an overtake of the year contender that no one will talk about, but uh, it, it find it. Trust me on this one um it's not my favorite but i think it's i think it's fine i think i think it's fine for the most part i've not got a major problem with it and so does apparently so does indycar because they want to keep it in the early september slot for next year because it's looking like we might have a calendar for next year marshall pruitt put his name on it um a couple of days ago now this is not final i need to stress this this is not final but if he's put his name on it I'd like to think he's pretty confident it will yeah, still hold up like this. He's one of the more like reputable this. sources in the business. Which yeah, he has and, to do the honors. Of, and uh, I should I should note that a vast majority of the venues do have contracts for next year. They just don't have dates. Right. Uh, so it's just a matter of who goes where, basically, rather than this this place will not be on the calendar. But um, um, if you want to get a taste of what the calendar will look like, I'll run for it very quickly, because it's looking like it's going to be a big calendar. 18 rounds next year. For, yeah. for, for, for perspective, but, we only had 16 last year. And year. The, the series said that this is their ideal calendar length, that they want 18 rounds. Uh, obviously, there's one double header on on the schedule, so it's... It's 18 races over... It's really 18 races over 17 rounds, but they're saying 18 rounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah 18 so. races over 16 rounds, because we also... Have, Detroit's a doubleheader, and so is the return of Iowa Speedway. Glory to Corn, Glory to El Asico. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick rundown. Some people open the season again. They're just not sure on the date yet. They're saying it could be February 27th, could be March 6th. Um, if February 27th, that would be perfect. Yeah. 
thought that would be pretty neat. You, you, you get a nice little standalone episode of M101 talking about IndyCar's back. You know, February 27th, <laughs> that'd be fun. March 6th is a clash with MotoGP, funnily enough, if you're, if you're into fans of this show, for example, because that's where they're planning next season's Qatar round to be. Um, so let's have to wait and see how that goes. Um, oh, Texas has been moved <laughs> to March. Oh, March 20th. Is that what they're Get allegedly out of the way thinking? Early. Rip this yeah. band-aid off early. <laughs> Might not be a bad idea if, if, if this year's race was anything to go by. I know, it will be I'll... the only round in the great state of Texas. Apparently the teams are not happy about that one. Um, Texas on March 20th, we'll have to wait and see. Long Beach back up in April. Again, April 10th is what they're saying for that one. Um, three weeks after that, Barber. Um, we've had Alabama there on May 1st. The... The Indianapolis Road Course race, one of two this season. And then again, we're, we're copying what we did this season, next year. So there'll be two races in Indianapolis' road course. The first one on May 14th. You know what month it's for. The month of May, of course. And the Indy 500, they're saying May 29th on that one. So last weekend of May. Again, back-to-back. That's going to go back-to-back with the uh, Detroit doubleheader on June 5th and 6th. Um, in fact, that's for my bad. It's a triple header because they got Road America the week after that on June twelfth. Yeah. Um. So, uh, that's going to be fun. Oh, what's up? <laughs> that's right. Uh, the second half of the calendar consists of the Toronto Grand Prix. Take three, July seventeenth. Hopefully, we'll have it. Hopefully, the world will suck a little less, and we can make this viable. Uh, rounds 12 and 13, the aforementioned Iowa Speedway doubleheader, glory to corn, glory to El Asico, uh, July 23rd and 24th. July 30th, NASCAR and IndyCar back on the same ticket for the Indianapolis Grand Prix 2, or the Brickyard Grand Prix, or the big machine spike coolers at the Brickyard Grand Prix, or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) This will be a a quadruple header that we got going on, because the Brickyard Grand Prix is on July 30th, and then August 7th is the Nashville Grand Prix. It's back, it's better than ever. That'll wake off, and then Gateway on a Saturday, August 20th. Portland on September the 4th, and then on the 11th of September, the finale at WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca. It's a good calendar. I yeah, mean, it's a good sure calendar. There's some, there's good some calendar. venues. It's a big calendar. Place. 18 races. I mean, it's that's good. a lot. Don't the quad header in there in July. Whew. That's, 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 that's not going to be fun. But, um, I mean... There's a lot to get into here. I mean, if you're NASCAR fans, I mean, you've, you've seen what the crunch schedule could look like. Oh, because, uh, buddy. Yeah. Some, oh, of those, some of those... We, I don't think I've ever had a chance to talk about how bullshit some of these uh, some of these NASCAR commutes are because it's mm-hmm. all ground pace transportation. They're going to start the year again. They're starting the year in the LA Coliseum, taking a week off to go to Daytona, and then straight after Daytona, they're going all the way back to Southern California at Auto Club Speedway. And they better they've done this before. They're all if it if the Daytona five hundred gets pushed to a Monday, they're just thinking, Oh shit. No, I, I think like for the most part, NASCAR they're used to that. But yeah. uh, I think the big shock to everyone is that normally they're two off weekends on the NASCAR schedule a season. Mm. Next year it's only one. Just and one. people are shocked because NASCAR's racing on Easter Sunday. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I can't believe that. 
NASCAR, the the, 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 the Bible-thumping Christian sport, is racing on Easter Sunday. They are racing on, on they're racing at Bristol on Easter Sunday. Good luck is with this, that one, fellas. Dirt Bristol? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if Dirt Bristol is returning. Oh, they said oh, Dirt boy. Bristol's returning. Oh, then it is Dirt Bristol, then. Oh, yeah, oh, sure. even this is what the Lord would have wanted. That's what he would have wanted, truly, is for you to, uh, to enjoy mm. some Sunday afternoon dirt racing, which yeah. may or may not be good, depending on whether or not the drivers can see or not. Yeah, so it will be a night dirt race at Bristol on Easter Sunday. Oh, my word. Seventeen, maybe eighteen people might watch that one. Um, also, so, other, uh, and yes, uh, it is the cu- first Cup Series dirt race on Easter Sunday since nineteen eighty nine. Wow, that's crazy. Also, a friend of the show, Devin Arty, I wanted to point this out as well. Six IMSA clashes on that provisional IndyCar calendar as well. So, uh, so a lot of guys that also have sports car aspirations might have to make some hard decisions on that Damn. one because there, there are apparently six IMSA clashes in there and apparently a lot of the drivers are not best pleased um, about the potential amount of clashes on both respective calendars. Oh, my Michelin oh. Endurance Cup aspirations. Yeah, well, that's an issue because... IndyCar's one series, and NASCAR runs IMSA, so if NASCAR is fine with the IMSA schedule, then that's what you're probably going to get. That's what you're getting, no exceptions. NASCAR has not wanted to work with IndyCar since they reunified into one series. Yeah, It was better when they were just the upstart that they could help uh, fund take down Big Bad Car. Not so much nowadays. Now they want the main ticket. They don't want to play second fiddle in the NASCAR truck series. Now NASCAR views IndyCar as a threat again. No, no, not not in a million years. No, but uh, keep an eye on that calendar. We'll let you know if anything changes on the final release. They're saying it could be next week, so hopefully by the time we're recording again on next week's show, we might know officially yeah. what's what's there and what's not. Fun calendar. September finish. Well, September eleventh finish. That's uh, that's they're cramming a lot into a lot into a very short time there at least but uh, i'd say not really because the the early part of the schedule so like rounds one through three are very very spread very apart. spread out mm, yeah indie car tradition the the the, the first, it, it takes a bit of time to get going indie car it's like sluka get a brisket um on that one um but yeah before we get out of here real quick fellas pillows to lose looking like it um I'm not going to rule anything out of possibility, but this was very much a statement victory from Indeed. Alex um, I would. I still hold out. I might even hold out more hope for Joseph Newgarden than RJ does at this point, and he's the Newgarden guy. Because if there's one man that I think might be able to take a 34-point gap in two races, given his late-season form, it's Joseph. But even I admit, this could be a long one. 34 back with only two to play. Um, that could be a big one indeed. Yeah. And um, a straight race finale. Anything could happen. Just yeah. one just one misadventure into a concrete wall and it's probably your title hopes over. And we all know Alex Rossi's winning at Long Beach anyway, so we can just, like, you're fighting the second here. <laughs> like, you might as well just say it's 90 points available rather than the 100, because we all know Alex Rossi is winning at Long Beach. Let's just get that one out of the way from now. Um, just a reminder before we get out of here as well, Go watch MotoGP at Aragon. I know we didn't talk about it on this show, but it's a freaking fantastic race. 
um, between Marquez and Manuel. We'll talk about that a little bit more on next week's show, hopefully with one bushy-haired man from Massachusetts on the show as well. Places you can find this, uh, if you haven't already, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Our website, motorsport101.com. Facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. Instagram, motorsport101pod. Our Twitter handles at motorsport101, at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, uh, at RJ O'Connell. Cam is at cbuckley917. You can back us financially on Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks for all the early access to the audio episodes ten bucks for the video version and of course supporters club on our discord you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded bunch of other fun stuff in there as well some great some great friends over there as well um check it out if you haven't already um we'll be back next week to talk about not one but two moto gp races a little bit about aragon but hopefully a lot about misano First debut in a factory ride for Frankie Morbidelli. That'll be one to keep an eye on. Andrea Davizioso's back this weekend in the Patronus. What can he do with a two-year-old bike? We'll have to wait and see. That's going to be fascinating to watch as well. All of that and IndyCar's penultimate round at Laguna Seca. Um, can Polo... So, like, it's, it's, a, it's a championship point. He can win the title this weekend at Laguna Seca if results go his way. We'll have to wait and see. Like, who knows what could happen? The Unisaker is a wild one. So until next week, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. Uh, shout out to Cam Buckley, who's not here as well, but he'll hopefully be back next week. But until then, thanks for watching, and sayonara. Later, y'all. Make sure to get your flu shots this season. Right. You've been good on getting your COVID vaccines. Now make sure you get your flu shots, too. We don't want to create another problem. <laughs> on, on top of the one that we're already dealing with. <laughs>